Hey, listener, I think we called the lead character Catherine a couple of times for no other reason than I think my English teacher's name was Catherine Donahue. So that's why it's coming up. The lead character's name is Heather. We switched to it in the middle. So sorry if that's confusing. All right. Now enjoy the episode. Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Lizzie. And we're queer people who love movies. This is Subtextual. you remembered (laughs) (laughs) of course I remembered it's been on my calendar and you keep dropping hints and you know I haven't figured out what to get you for your birthday though that's a really great question Um, maybe you could subscribe to our patreon (gasps) wow that's a great idea (laughs) there's been a bunch of people who have um, been messaging us on instagram with really incredible movie suggestions if you are one of those people or if you have something that you'd like us to cover, you could also request that through our Patreon. If you can't or don't want to, that's totally fine. But if you do want to and you do want to tell us what to do, you could do that at our Patreon. Yeah, and we will listen to you. We will let you tell us what to do. Gladly. Absolutely. For a very low cost. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm excited to to get you guys here for my birthday because we're doing a special episode today. Yes. And it is The Blair Witch, a.k.a. the most fucking terrifying movie I've (laughs) ever seen. Why did you make me watch this? You at home are probably wondering, this movie really isn't gay, is it? And you're right. This movie isn't gay. So that's why I get to do it for my birthday. Every year, Lizzie and I will get one opportunity on our birthday to do a movie that is not gay at all. And this is the one that I've chosen for a number of reasons. I know way too much about this movie. I like, I know an insane amount of trivia about this this film. I'm also like fascinated with this movie. I was obsessed with it for a really long time. But most importantly, I knew this was the only way I was going to get Lizzie to watch this film. That is correct. I saw it in high school and swore never to watch it again after not being able to sleep for like <laughs> months. And now here I am like 10 years later thinking, oh, you know, it's not that scary. I probably have grown up and realizing It's actually much scarier now (laughs) than it ever was in high school. And just happy birthday, bitch. That's all you're getting from me this year. (laughs) No presents, (laughs) no cake. So wait, why were you obsessed with it? Like, I've never heard someone say they were obsessed with this particular movie. I think that, like, horror movies, like, really lend to, like, a fascination because they're usually, like, shrouded in a lot of mystery. So it's not, like, a standard, like, comedy or anything like that. But... I remember watching this film and then going and watching the behind the scenes and the production itself is like amazing. I can't wait to tell you like about all the cool shit that they did to film this movie. All right, let's get into the movie. I don't know why you have to have every conversation on video. Because we're making a documentary. Not about us getting lost. We're making a documentary about a witch. I don't. Lost, admit that first. No, I know we're not lost. They're all over the place. How do we know it was people? Well, even if it wasn't, I'm not going to play with that either. And it's not because of me that we're here now. <laughs> Hungry and cold and hunted. I just want to apologize to Mike's mom and Josh's mom and my mom. Tell me where you are, Josh! You know, Sam, I'm really glad we're doing this movie so everyone can finally know what a little freak you are. <laughs> you like to torture yourself with these horror movies. Yeah. When I'm not watching incredibly gay films, I'm also watching incredibly scary movies for fun. That's like my little treat. 
she's one of them's people, you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm one of them chickens, and she's one of them's that's like, oh, I find scary movies oddly comforting. And I'm like, you're a sociopath. I think they're, I mean, I have this theory that either you like true crime or you like horror movies. Hmm. I think especially right. with women, you know, they find solace in one of the two things. I, for one, cannot stand true crime. Um, I think it's actually scary, but horror movies are like more like a fun little game. I know. I don't find true crime usually to be as scary as horror movies. Huh. But I don't really like true crime either. I kind of like horror movies. You made me start watching horror movies this past year. And so there's been a lot I've had to catch up on. And I'm still like a little baby. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're watching this one with like a fresh lens. I mean, how did you feel about the movie when you saw it recently? Did you like it? I really respected it. Like mad respect. That movie is fucking scary. Yeah. And they don't <laughs> They don't really do much. Like, it's so simple. It's repetitive, which somehow makes it even more terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I thought the actors did a great job. It's, like, really hard to tell, truly, how much of this they are faking <laughs> and how much of this is, like, actual fear. I've always really respected actors in horror movies. I feel like it's got to be so hard to act like you're afraid. Yeah, like, 30 right? takes in a row, like, to elicit, like, a real genuine like fear response i mean it must yeah. also kind of like freak out your body you oh know that yeah. sends messages to your brain like i am actually in danger you know yeah it's got to be so stressful you know i wonder you know they have like intimacy coordinators for sex scenes in films do they have like <laughs> fear trigger coordinators for people who are dealing with like gross shit on set if they did they certainly did not have them on this set <laughs> <laughs> so let's jump in a little bit about the production um lizzie do you know much about the production i don't want to tell you any Anything that you already know or let's see i know i have like a couple of fun facts that i've accumulated over the years about this film um one of them being that it was i think one of the first found footage films of all time or at least one of the first horrors to use like this found footage type of style which i find incredibly jarring and scary um what else do i know oh i know that there was like some sort of weird marketing campaign when it came out like maybe they pretended one of the actors was missing mm -hmm. and that people really thought that was real and i'm like yeah i would have believed that in the <laughs> 90s absolutely especially with the satanic panic going on during that yeah. time and and also know that it's like incredibly incredibly low budget yeah i mean you're you've got so many sprinkles of like incredible things there yeah so at sundance when this premiered um they had plastered lost wait wait, wait. this premiered at sundance yeah sundance and can what i know Wait, what year did it come out? In 1999, which we also have a fascination with that year. We've done so many episodes from 1999. We should do like a 1999 like tribute. Like a VH1 episode. special. This <laughs> is 1999. <laughs> Our top 10 of 1999. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it did premiere at Sundance and Cannes, which is just so weird because you wouldn't That's expect wild. a movie like this to. But before it premiered, they had plastered missing and missing posters of all of these actors all around the film festival. So people actually did believe that they were gone and missing. I'm so sorry. That's such a gag. That's so good. <laughs> that is the best prank of all time. It, and people really believed it to be true. Also, what you're saying about the found footage stuff, that is um, a common belief that this is one of the first, but it was actually um, the first film of this style was released almost 20 years before in 1980. Huh. It was an Italian found footage movie called cannibal holocaust but it was what yeah it was so it's a found footage movie that's set in the u.s in like a wooded area as well and it's documentary style so there's so many similarities but it just never took off the way that this one did 
Have you seen Cannibal Holocaust? I haven't seen it myself, but I was reading about it today. It's really interesting. So it's like the main character is an anthropologist Mm -hmm. who is searching for a film crew that was lost when they were filming Cannibal Societies. So he goes in to try to find them, but only can find their footage. And then that's what the film is, is like the footage from this Cannibal Society. Oh, that also sounds really, really scary. Yeah. Have you seen it, Lee? Yeah. It's, uh, I think I prefer Blair Witch, but... Cannibal Holocaust definitely has a huge cult following. One of the things I might be misremembering, but one thing I remember about Cannibal Holocaust is that there's a lot of like actual killing animals on screen, which is like not okay, I guess. And I think is also why it was sort of um, blacklisted isn't the word, but like that in Europe and UK, like, you know, it was kind of like one of those films. I think they're called... Like a snuff film or something? Ah, they're they're called... uh, It's like something nasty... Yeah. Or am I thinking video nasty? It's a That's style else, where right? it's like brutal, brutalistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess like snuff film, I guess. Um, Was so it scary? I know there's film? a, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's pretty scary. It seems, it definitely feels like this, like this could be real. Like that's part of the selling point, I guess. And uh, yeah, at least, I think there's at least like one animal mutilation or whatever, but there's probably a lot in that movie, unfortunately. Oof. Yeah, that's before they had like PETA and like guilds <laughs> and shit. You're talking about intimacy coordinators and they're <laughs> murdering like actual animals. Ugh. Ugh, so creepy. So um, you're also right about how successful it was. It was like astronomically successful. After it was released, it held the record for highest grossing independent film of all time until it was surpassed in 2002 by our favorite film. I know this one. <laughs> My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Yes. And a plug for Lee's podcast. We're going to be watching that oh, yeah. over on their Patreon soon. So if you're ever curious about how we feel about that movie or how much we love it, you could check it out there. Yeah, it'll be on Patreon. Maybe we can put some of it in y'all's main feed or something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, Lizzie, so now everything I'm going to tell you, hopefully you don't know yet because it's, it's, this is like my favorite topic of things to talk about is this weird fucking movie trivia. All right, so the synopsis of the film is there are three film students who vanish after traveling into Maryland's forest to film a documentary on the local Blair Witch legend, leaving only their footage behind. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> uh, I am so superstitious. I swear to God, if we start hearing <laughs> weird noises, I am out of here. I'm like, going back to the car. <laughs> twigs breaking, like children laughing in the distance. A nightmare. This movie is a nightmare. <laughs> I want you to know how much I love you that I agreed to do this. This is exactly why I chose it for my birthday, because I know that you love me enough that you <laughs> just have to do it. But a little bit about, actually a lot of it about the film production, because it's super interesting. Um, This film was directed by Daniel Myrick and Eduardo Sanchez, so two men, and it only took eight days to shoot. What? Mm -hmm. I mean, I can believe that, but what? That's got to be some sort of record. Yeah, it was really quick. Um, They actually meant to do it in seven days, but, you know, because it was raining on one of the days. So their last day of shooting was actually on Halloween. So (gasps) that's cool. That's fucking scary. So the film was marketed as found footage um, rather than an outright mockumentary in attempts to like garner like genuine fear from audience members. And they committed to this marketing campaign so hard with so much foresight. So a year before the film was ever premiered or released, they had already made a, a website for all of these individuals. And the website had like police reports, crime scene photos, like testimonials from their family, like claiming that all of these people were missing. Yeah. So if you like looked up these people's names, you would find this website. Wow. Yeah. It's commitment. That is commitment. Wait, can I ask, have Mm -hmm. these directors done any other films? One of the directors 
worked on VHS 2. Oh. Uh, they, they each have feature film credits after this, but I, I don't recognize any of the titles. That's kind of surprising to me because this feels like a really well-crafted and well-thought-out, and obviously they took the time to do like a year's worth of mm-hmm. pre-production to like make people believe. So it would seem that they could have gone on to do more, but... I mean, maybe they didn't want to. Maybe they wanted to keep it like low-key, low you know, and not go Marvel or whatever. Yeah, I think so much of this film's success is really attributed to their marketing campaign, which is something you, can, you can't reproduce, right. you know. It's Once like, it's done. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Uh, so the when the producers and the directors went to cast the film, they had an open calling, uh, open cast call, and the ad read... You are about to read for the most demanding and unpleasant project of your career. If you are if you are cast, we are going to drag you into the woods for seven days of hell, 168 hours of real-time improvisational torment. We're not kidding. So if you're not serious about your craft, you're wasting your time and hours. That being said, I haven't seen any of these actors in any other works, so <laughs> maybe this was the last straw. I mean, I, I think I would need to take a long sabbatical after doing something like this, incredibly demanding and frightening. So the original script was only 35 pages, and it mostly consisted of the the lore of the Blair Witch, but no dialogue or breakdown of events was included. So the actors were instructed to improvise all of their lines and were given their motivation in these like little tubes that were like hidden outside of the camera's eye. No. Yeah. So let me let me show you a clip. This is um, an interview with Catherine Donahue, who is the main character of the Blair Witch. Well, the directors had a very unconventional way of doing the movie. Why oh, don't you tell us about that? Right. Once we got out into the woods, they gave us a global positioning system, which is never seen on camera. Um, they would program these waypoints in there, and we would basically just follow the little arrows that would pop up on the screen of the global positioning system and just keep walking in that direction until we hit the waypoint. And we would know we were there because there would be a white milk crate with an orange bicycle flag sticking out of it. <laughs> and then we would go up to the little milk crate and inside would be these little film containers like you use for 35 millimeter still right. for the little plastic things that you throw away before you get them developed. Um, there would be our initials on each one. We were only allowed to look at our instructions. We weren't allowed to show them to each other. And then for the next say two, three, four hours, we would just follow that direction until we hit the next waypoint where we would get further instructions. And from there, you just had to take it and improv the lines. Exactly. Okay, this, I'm so sorry. This actress is such a know-it-all. Like, <laughs> oh, that, that, is, that is crazy. These people are crazy. These directors are out of their minds. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's kind of genius, though. It really is. It's almost like performance art or something, but... There, yeah, it's such a brilliant way of trying to get that improvised performance. It's yeah. crazy. And also, which is equally amazing to me, the actors were responsible for operating the film and sound equipment. So what? everything that you see, almost like 99% of it is shot by them. Wait, wait, wait. So they're in the woods alone, the three of them, yeah. with a GPS, mm-hmm. and that's it? Yeah, so they are being monitored by a great distance by um, the directors. So sometimes they were given motivation to do something or they were presented like with things they hadn't seen before and an actor would act outside of what they initially planned. So they would have to be like, hey, I need you to open that actually. <laughs> like, can you take that again and open it? Because they were so right. improv that like 
the characters didn't want to do certain things because they were actually genuinely scared. They're like, I'm not actually going to open this little bundle of sticks. I'm just going to throw it. That's what my character would do. Uh, She would throw the bundle of sticks. Yeah, that's exactly (laughs) one of the cases that that happened. There's that that bundle of sticks with the blood on it, and Catherine Donahue threw it into the forest, and they had to be like, actually, could you open that? Reset. Oh, my God. (laughs) And so they made them spend the night in the woods alone, too? Yeah. Would they make those noises out in the distance? Yeah. No. And the actors didn't know... Any no. of the noises were coming or any of that stuff. No. I quit. <laughs> I'm calling my manager. I'm getting on a plane home. I'm out of here. Yeah. I mean, to Lee's point, like, it really <sighs> is kind of a, a a performance art experience. I mean, they stayed in character the whole time of shooting, and that's why they actually use their own names. So these are the names of the actors, which they later Whoa. said that they regretted using their names because it was – people actually thought they were missing and dead – Oh, and yeah, like their, their friend from now. high school that hadn't seen them in 10 years was like, oh, my God, Catherine Donahue. Mm-hmm. I dated her. Exactly. Oh, my God. That's crazy. That's, yeah, mad respect. I bet you they were so miserable, though. Yeah, I mean, it's even said that in the, as the days continued, they were given less and less food. <laughs> because- a SAG would have a fucking field day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they had to sign a contract where they were, were basically allowing the, the producers and the directors to, quote unquote, like mess with their heads uh, to, to allow them to do this, which, I mean, would not stand as a contract. No. But um, I bet you if this film hadn't been so successful, a lot of regret would have been wrapped up in it. I, I'm just thinking like it only takes a week. Like it's miserable, but it only took a week. Okay, (laughs) no. (laughs) Can you imagine seven nights in a row sleeping in the cold with strangers on this wild harebrained journey? That would feel like a lifetime. I guess you're right, yeah. That's one of the things about the movies is, like, it's very, like, Mm real-time-y. And, like, it really takes place over, like, four days or so. Like, the timeline gets kind of hazy because they're losing their minds, but... Mm -hmm. It feels like a fucking eternity. Yeah. And you just want it to end. Lizzie, at, at multiple points while we were watching this, we, we're not allowed to talk when we watch these movies together, but Lizzie kept saying, like, why don't you just drop your backpack and run in any fucking direction? <laughs> like, put your water bottle in your pocket and le- literally leave everything else. Mm-hmm. If you make it out alive, you can always go back and find the camera mm-hmm. if it's really that important to you. We'll talk a little bit more about, like, the psychology and and not real psychology. I'm not a psychologist, but we'll talk a little <laughs> bit about how I could, I'm trying to imagine their mental state must be as the days progress because it, like, dwindles. It really must break these people down. I mean, you see it happen, and it's, like, basically real. <laughs> That makes it, I'm so glad I didn't know the extent of all this before I watched it, because I think it would have made it so much more scary. You think so? Yeah, because I imagined, like, a camera operator and, like, someone with, like, a backpack full of snacks and water following the actors, but it wasn't like that. Mm -mm. There was no backpack full of snacks. Yeah, when you go back and you rewatch it, knowing all of this about the production, it is, like, a different experience, because you're like, holy shit, they're really fucking scared. Yeah. So let's get into the plot of this film. So I'm going to break it down. By the days, um, mm-hmm. it happens over seven days and seven nights. So we'll go day by day and kind of try to put ourselves in the place of these people and try to decide what it is that we'd do. And they shot it chronologically, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Of course. Right? Fucking yeah. terrifying. <laughs> okay, so on the first day, we meet three film students, Heather, the director, Josh, the cameraman, and Mike, the sound guy. They're on course to produce a documentary in the small town of Burkittsville, Maryland, previously known as Blair, 
on The Legend of the Blair Witch. <laughs> Mike, the sound guy. <laughs> Mike, the sound guy. Hey, that's how I think of him in my head. So it, interestingly enough, the directors prepped these actors with the lore of the Blair Witch, but the Blair Witch doesn't actually exist. It was all fabricated, but the mm. actors didn't know that. Well, I mean, it sounded real enough. There's like a hundred million tales just like this in every New England town, I'm sure. Yeah. So they go into the town of Burkittsville and... To their to the actors' understanding, they're picking people at random, but what they don't know is that these are like planted actors. Isn't that cool? The dedication. I know. The so, pre-production. So they think they're just going to get some like B-roll asking people about the Blair Witch, and these people are like, oh my God, she's, she's real, she's evil, and she kills children. <gasps> wow. So they learn of the tale of Rustin Parr, a hermit who lived in the woods and kidnapped local children in the 1940s. He would take a pair of children to his basement and have one face in the corner while he killed the first child, and then he would kill the second. It's believed that he did this because he couldn't bear the eyes of the children on him. Okay, so I I am remembering something about watching it this time, and it was like, I was a little confused in the like early lore learning stages because I was like, is it a witch? Is it like this creepy old guy in the woods? Are they the mm -hmm. same person? Are they related? Mm -hmm. And is it like two separate or is it like multiple stories that are all getting jumbled into one by the town because that's how it works? Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, the press, we never really get like clarity on that. Like, yeah. I assumed it was a witch talking them, but I only believe that because it's called the Blair Witch Project. <laughs> but it could have been like an old creepy ghost guy. Well, Rustin Parr has died. You know, he's from the 1940s. But I think what we're supposed to take away as the audience is that the Blair Witch's presence has like haunted the town and has caused people to do these like murderous acts. Oh, because so she like possesses people or gets people to do her will. Yeah, kind of she vibe. drives them to insanity and then they become like murderous. <gasps> oh, so when Josh disappears, is the idea that like Josh is the one that ends up murdering them? No. Oh. It's okay. Because that would make more sense. It would. That would be cool. For the sequel. <laughs> Honestly, there's so many other fucking spinoffs of this film. So after they interview all these townsfolk, the crew leave town and venture into the forest, leaving their car parked on the road near a trail. They then meet two fishermen in the woods who tell the crew that the forest is haunted. They tell the crew of a young woman named Robin Weaver who went missing in the forest in 1888, only to return three days later talking of an old woman whose feet never touched the ground. Ooh. Spooky. I don't know. If I walked into the forest and someone told me that, I'd walk right out of the forest. Yeah. No. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> uh, then they hiked to Coffin Rock, where five men were found ritualistically murdered in the 19th century. Their bodies later disappeared and were never found again. This was one of the scariest images for me. Mm -hmm. Also, is, is now a time for me to go on like a mini rant? Sure. I have one qualm with this movie. And... I speak for myself and for witches everywhere when I say, <laughs> witches don't do this shit. This gives, this gives witches a bad rap. All of this shit feeds into this, like, whole idea that's been going throughout history that, like, witches kill and eat people and they're evil and bad and whatever when they really are just, like, wise women who want to have sex. Like, that's that. So, you know shame on this film for perpetrating <laughs> that witches are so bad. They're not bad. We're totally normal. I mean normal. Or I'm not going to kill and eat anyone. Anyway, I just had, that was the thing that I was holding in the whole time we were watching. And I was like, witches don't do this. You're like, a witch would never do that. This is bad marketing. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
This is where it started. Yeah. Not the crucible or anything. Oh my God, the crucible. (laughs) There's like hardly any cool witches until Sabrina. Like, Sabrina, thank you for undoing. And Willow, y'all have done so much work for us to put some realistic shit back. Yeah, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, they probably saw Blair Witch Project and they were like, we need to rebrand. We need to do the opposite of this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's that's my tangent. It means nothing. But a poor, lonely woman's <laughs> meager opinion. <laughs> you should write to them like 25 years later just to be like, I don't appreciate what you've done here. You've made my life so difficult. <laughs> so... After they find Coffin Rock, they spend the first night um, with little to no consequence, which will not be the case going forward, but it's a nice little break uh, before things get pretty bad. On the second day, the crew stumbles upon an old cemetery where they find seven rock piles. Uh, So I learned that rock piles are called cairns. Cairns, yeah. Yeah, that usually either symbolize like trail markers or burial grounds. So they find seven of these markers, which we're to understand are those seven children. Lizzie's mad because a witch would never do this. I'm mad because these three children are asking for it. Yeah. You don't walk into the woods that are supposedly haunted, like all flippant, saying Mm -hmm. things like, oh, that crazy woman who told us about this curse. She's crazy. Oh, wow. Seven perfectly formed spooky piles of rocks in the woods. (laughs) Let's talk shit about those and like kick them over and stuff. I'm telling you, I would never disrespect a legend like this. And that's why I would live. (laughs) Well, to Lizzie's point, yeah, the cameraman Josh does knock down one of the piles like a dumbass. Yeah, fucking they want to die. And this is when we start getting talks about like the map, who has the map. Are we sure we're going the right way? You know, and that that turmoil kind of mounts until a breaking point later. But right now everyone's just like, I we're going in the right direction, right? Like, Well, it's really her. What's her name? Catherine? Mm-hmm. Catherine is like single-mindedly, like she must be like an older sibling. You know, she must be the <laughs> oldest sister in the family because it yeah. is her way. That is it. She holds the map. She never second guesses herself, which makes it all the more terrifying when in the end she's like, it kind of reveals that she didn't have it all together all along. And I'm like, I knew it. Mm-hmm. But she pretends. And yeah. She's also very annoying. Yeah, she's quite annoying. Um, the directors uh, said that they modeled each character very specifically. So they wanted Catherine to be like a Captain Ahab mm-hmm. of like Moby Dick, where like yeah. her obsession is all consuming to the point where like she is in denial because she's on a mission. And Josh, the cameraman, is supposed to be like the audience, you know, that's the voice of reason. Like, uh, I think we should leave. Yeah. And then Mike is just supposed to be like the peacekeeper that, you know, the best sound guy just keeps two other people from fighting. Right. Lee's constantly like, all right, girls, let go. let go of each other's hair. It's not a fair way to fight. So on the second night, as the crew is sleeping, they wake to the sounds of twigs snapping around them, which they believe mm-hmm. sound like footsteps approaching. It's deer, Sam. It's fucking deer. No. No. <laughs> no. No. Hell, hell no. This I no. would be... On my way home. I would be at home. I would never have made it this far. Even if they were deer, I'd be like, we're in deer territory. I yeah. think we should leave. <laughs> the deer don't want us here. Yeah. They said, get out. So I have, I have a question, a quick sure. question. Yeah. Okay, so you know how like uh, like hot sauce and like hot peppers have like Scoville units to measure how hot they are? Is there like a way to like quantifiably measure how scary something is? Hmm. Like maybe a combination of... Like, 
heart adrenaline, yeah, and like and like sweat or body temperature or something or like mm-hmm. eye movements, like yeah. Because I feel like this would be a really high, high up there. Yeah, I'm actually going to show you some audience reactions to this oh film God. because, I mean, people were very unsettled with it. With good reason. I think if I saw this believing it was actually found footage, nah, I'm out. Get that fire extinguisher. Yeah. I'm off. And, like, I know you said this wasn't the first found footage film, mm-hmm. technically, but it was definitely the most commercially successful and a movie that I would say most people have probably seen, or at least most people who enjoy watching movies. Yeah. So... It's like a really weird format to get used to because it feels like the fucking home movies that you sit around and watch at Christmas time, all mm-hmm. like cute and cozy. But it's like flipping that on its head. Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, the people in the 90s weren't ready. No, they weren't. They weren't ready whatsoever. And it, <laughs> things are about to ramp up. So it's not even fucking scary yet. So that's true. After the Fuck. night of hearing these satanic deers or what have you. <laughs> They very quickly are like, okay, let's get back to the car, but they can't find it. This this on the third day, they still have the map, but they just, they took a shortcut to get to Coffin Rock and they can't take that shortcut back. And now they're kind of lost, but they still have like a general perception of where they are, according to Catherine. And then that night they're in the tent and they hear the twig snapping again. So they wake up and they're like, okay, let's get the fuck out of here for real this time. Um, as they exit the tent that morning on the fourth day, they see three piles of rocks Mm-mm. built around their tent. Mm-mm. No. Mm. Okay, that's what you do. You grab the water bottle, mm-hmm. maybe a couple energy bars, whatever you got left. Uh-huh. Put it in your pockets. Yeah. Pick one direction and you fucking run at a <laughs> swift but good jog, you know, so you don't break your ankle or something and you go in one direction. Yeah, the whole, Lizzie was watching this movie like, they're in Maryland. It's not that big. You can walk across Maryland in five days. You know what I mean? Okay, but like, but like, is the witch fucking with them? Like, is the witch so powerful that she can like bend space and time to like put them in this infinite loop? Yeah, I think that's what we're meant to believe. Yeah, and we'll see more of like how that actually happens in the next couple of days. But right now, they're like, okay, I guess we know where we are. They're kind of trying to keep this like pseudo composure. That morning when they see these, like, piles of rocks, uh, Heather learns that the map is missing, but she doesn't tell anybody yet. Wait, is the main character's name Heather or Catherine? Have I been saying Catherine? You've been saying Catherine. I didn't even question it. I think my English teacher's name was Catherine. (laughs) Don't you? I think that's what's happening. Oh, my God. Okay, that's really embarrassing. Our English teachers have a profound influence on us as queer people, so it only makes sense. Gays and their English teachers. I'm just bringing her up when I'm talking about the Blair Witch Project. I'm so sorry, Miss Donahue. You don't deserve this. Okay. Her name is Heather. Her name is Heather. Okay. Sorry, folks. Her name is Heather. If I say Catherine, just like hit me with a twig or something. Gladly. (laughs) So in the morning when they exit their, their tent, they find these three rock piles around their tent. And Heather learns that the map is missing, but she doesn't tell anyone right away. And after hiking all day and being like fucking hounded by these men who are like, where's the map? Can we see the map? It's time to see the map. She finally just breaks down and like starts sobbing. And she was like, I don't know where the map is. I haven't seen it since last night. And as this is happening and as like Josh is basically like fucking going in on her, Mike just starts hysterically laughing and he reveals that he stole the map out of Heather's bag and kicked it into the river because he didn't believe it was doing them any good. Josh is the only one here that truly deserves to live. (laughs) And yet. (laughs) And yet. 
<laughs> Honestly, if I were to be any of the characters in this film, I would most likely choose Josh. Because he seems to die first. And that's all I would want yeah. out of this whole venture. Yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. But that's actually funny that you say that. But um, after they realize that they don't have a map and they're screwed, they finally accept that they're lost. And they just decide to walk south for the rest of the day. So that's their plan. They just pick a direction, like Lizzie was saying, and just keep walking because eventually you're going to hit something, a trail or a road or something. Yeah. So as they're walking that day, they see like all these stick figures suspended from trees. Lizzie, do witches do this? Yeah. Okay. Some do. <laughs> okay. There are some things that we do. I would yeah, never do this. This is not my bag, but... This was the most realistic thing. Yeah, because I've seen something like that before, like bundled things, but I didn't know what it meant. Is there like a significance that you know of? Um, I think every witch has their own way of like going about their witchcraft. And I think that like sticks do have like kind of an energy movement thing. It's kind of the idea of a wand, you know, it's not really like the, the wand itself has power, but it kind of just like helps point you and direct your power. So I think gathering sticks could be a way of like harnessing energy or whatever. Um, <laughs> I really don't know. I don't speak for all witches. I can't speak for all witches. I don't work with bundles of sticks. <laughs> so... Okay, so <laughs> they're walking in one direction, folks. They're sticking to it. It gets dark, so they set up camp. And this night, they start hearing more strange noises, which include the sounds of children laughing. No. Mm -hmm. um, so all of these, like, noises that they hear at night, the actors are not privy to. So mm -hmm. they're just sleeping, and then they get woken up. And how it was no. accomplished is that, like, the director and the producers would have these huge speakers, like, way off in the forest, and then just, like, crank this audio. That's going to be an O. That's going to be a... Someone is getting sued. That's Sam. For your birthday, do you want to go on like a camping trip where oh we, <laughs> where we like do this to you, oh like without God. you knowing? Would that excite you or scare the crap out of you? Like an escape room, yeah, but like yeah. Blair Witch Project style. I would shit my pants. <laughs> I would definitely. I'm not one of those people that likes escape rooms. I like to watch these movies from my couch and then lay in bed in my fuzzy pajamas and watch TikTok and go to sleep. I'm never going into the woods again. Oh my God. <laughs> it reminds me of that TikTok I showed you where it's like two Australian news anchors watching this like footage of a great white shark coming out of the water. <laughs> they just look at each other and go, oh, I am never going into the water ever again. <laughs> Stop, Stop summer. summer. <laughs> <laughs> so as they're hearing the, this this audio of children laughing around their tent, um, their tent begins to get shaken. And all three of the crew members run out of the tent and basically just hide in the forest until dawn because they're like, fuck that, we're not going back to the tent. They also make a very half-ass attempt at staying together, which seems to me like not the thing to do. You should stay together, right? Yeah. And they get better at staying together a little bit later, but they definitely do learn their lesson about not staying together. So after hiding in the woods until dawn, they eventually return back to their camp to get their belongings. And they see that all of their things have been rifled through and that Josh's things have been covered in slime. So listener, if you're, if you're remembering properly, Josh is the one that kicked over those rocks and they don't like Josh. Do you know anything about the slime? It was KY jelly. No, not like physically, like oh. <laughs> thematically. Like why the slime? You're telling me witches don't produce slime? <laughs> yeah, but they don't smear it all over stuff. Everyone produces slime. It's a natural body thing. <laughs> no, I don't know why the witch has slime. So there's no explanation like online why there's fucking slime other than like you've been chosen kind of vibe. 
Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think so. Oh, maybe it's a gay thing. I don't. <laughs> you. What if I did reach really hard and try to make this a gay? Which is gay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, queer coded villains. Queer coded villains. We love them. We love to hate them. <laughs> we'll put a pin in that. Yeah. Look, I know for our birthdays we said we could do a movie that like wasn't subtextual in any way, and I think Sam did a good job of finding one because all of my options for my birthday are all somehow really gay. <laughs> so I need to do better, but I yeah. think I think we can find something here. Yeah, yeah. Maybe towards the end we'll we'll try to sniff it out. I feel like the score is going to be pretty bad, but okay, we're going to score this. It's going to get like a zero. Yeah. uh so josh's stuff is covered in ky jelly uh which which is totally and definitely due um (laughs) so after they gather their belongings and pack up camp they continue to walk south all day and at the end of the day as it's starting to get dark they come across the same part of the river that they crossed earlier that day, like in the morning, meaning that they've spent all day just walking in a circle. Yeah, it either means that they are really bad at using a compass or this witch can like bend reality. I think it's, it's, I don't think they're bad at using a compass, even though they all kind of are stupid enough to be in this situation (laughs) to begin with. But I think it's more of like a, yeah, like a witch sort of not even bending reality in time and space, but maybe like kind of casting something over them where they're confused like a midsummer night's dream yeah. sort of thing yeah that makes the most realistic sense if we're like really thinking about like what would the witch do um one of the other theories i came up with is that she somehow transported them back in time and they are walking in like a bunch of different places but it's like before like buildings and cities were in maryland so they're just walking through maryland in the woods oh that's a cool idea and it would require a large amount of, like, energy and stuff, but... She would have to be a pretty powerful witch, but, like, that that could be cool. Like, they have reached town already. They just, they can't tell. Yeah. They're just, like, walking through town. That'd well, be cool. in, like, witch lore overall, and this is even seen in, like, Hocus Pocus, like, children's energy is, like, the most potent energy because it's so pure and it isn't tainted with anything. So if she's been, like, eating children for centuries possibly Mm -hmm. she could be a very powerful witch (laughs) that's true yeah she's just like carbo loaded for a couple centuries and now she's like ready to run this marathon (laughs) exactly that's exactly how i would put it uh so now they're all super pissed but mostly they're super freaked out because they don't know what's been going on and they know that it's not heather who's just continued to direct them improperly because she's not even allowed to hold the compass anymore So we don't get to see the fifth night because they don't record anything from that night, but we do get to see them recording on the sixth day. And they wake up and they realize Josh is gone, but he hasn't taken any of his belongings, um, which isn't a great sign. Josh, that lucky bitch, gets to check out a day early. Well, yeah. So what happened was that night before the actors fell asleep, they got their motivations and Josh, his motivation was wait till everybody goes to sleep and then leave the tent. So once everyone, it took like 45 minutes for them all to go to sleep and he left the tent and he like walks out to like find the director and they're like, you're dead. You're dead. And he was like, like, oh, thank God. He was like, oh, hell yeah. Great. He was relieved. I was about to say like to get that action like first means like he has to go outside of the tent by himself. Yeah. Which is like, until he knows he's dead, he's probably like, what the 
fuck am I have to do next? <laughs> oh my god, we're reaching the climax of the film, aren't we? And you're like, it's me, huh? I'm, you're gonna show me getting killed, huh? <laughs> oh. <laughs> this poor guy. Yeah, that must have been a really scary walk to, to the director. So yeah, they wake up and they realize Josh is gone, and this is when they start going real bonkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they really lose grip on time, on direction. Um, they're foreseeably out of food. Yeah. And Heather and Mike kind of, they're almost delirious in their conversations. And, you know, poor fucking Mike runs out of cigarettes, which like, fuck, I can't imagine anything worse. I think he would rather run out of water than cigarettes at this point in the film. Yeah, absolutely. I would need like a lot of, of cigarettes and alcohol to like save, not shaking for any amount of time. So they keep walking. It's not doing them any good. They eventually have to make camp again. And that night, while they're attempting to sleep in the tent, Heather and Mike hear the screams of Josh. Or what we're supposed to believe is Josh. Yeah, so they very quickly are like, okay, that's not Josh. That's the witch. And she's trying to get us out of this tent. So they stay put. But like you can, when you watch the film, you see like how quickly they go from denying the reality of this witch to very quickly being like, oh shit, the witch is trying to do something right now, isn't she? Yeah. (laughs) You know, but I pointed this out and maybe I'm wrong, but... They never, like, say the word witch. They do. Like, not in the woods. They do. When? They never say, like, oh, man, this witch is fucking with us. They say, like, it and that or it's coming or you know tonight it's going to come. But Uh they never say, like, the witch is real and she's coming for us. They talk about the witch very cavalierly before, you know, tensions start getting really high and they start getting Oh, right, like on day one. Yeah, but I'm saying like, yeah, to your point, like when things start getting really fucking scary, they use more like pronouns and like she or it or, but usually like she. So it, you know, it implies that they're talking about her, but I think they are probably really scared to to say it out loud. I kind of wanted them to just like fucking own up to it, but maybe that would have made it less scary. I think it would have made it less scary. I think knowing myself, if I was in that position, I wouldn't be like this witch, you know, like I'd be like, oh my God, like I probably wouldn't want to say it out loud to further myself from being more scared. I'd be like, oh, I told y'all we shouldn't have talked shit about that witch. <laughs> She's coming for us. Uh, so they hear the screams of Josh and they're like, no, it's she's fucking with us. Like, let's stay in this tent. And then the next morning when Heather exits, she finds a bundle of sticks tied with the fabric of Josh's shirt. Inside, she finds a bloodstained scrap of hair, teeth, a finger, and a large piece of tongue. Oh, oh so that's what's in there? Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, we don't see it too uh. closely, but like that that's what's in there. And she sees that and she doesn't tell Mike anything. Hmm. She's a child of divorced parents. I think she also feels incredibly responsible. So yeah. she's, I, I would. She's trying to like save him some of the fear. I would do the same thing. Like if we get out of here, maybe I'll fucking tell him. But if, but it's not going to help him to know this. But then. You're just with that alone. I would tell him. <laughs> I'd be like, oh my God, look at this. <laughs> You'd be like, Mike, come yeah, check Mike, it out. Come here. <laughs> I'd be like, Mike, I found some cigarettes. <laughs> <Just open it. laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so they have to set up camp again. They're not making any progress walking through the, the woods. And we reach the final night. So this is the real, this is getting to the end of the film here. So... 
Before they go into the tent to go to sleep, Heather records herself apologizing to her family as well as the families of Josh and Mike as she considers herself responsible. That was a really good scene, though. Like, that's the movie you kind of miss in a lot of horror movies, I think. It's very humanizing. Yeah. She gave a great performance, too. And the framing is, like, you see that frame in your mind so clearly. It's like her her nose and her left eye or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, iconic. She intended for the shot to be her whole face, but she accidentally zoomed in and they decided just not to reshoot it because the directors were like, it's actually really cool. No, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Wow. So many Happy things. Accident. Yeah, so many like what seem like, you know, director characteristic like flares of the director are actually like these actors just don't know how to use this equipment. <laughs> like in the beginning of the film especially, you see a lot of it is out of focus because yeah. they didn't know how to use a camera. And you can't really hear stuff super well or see stuff super well, which again lends it to being so much more terrifying mm-hmm. because you're as an audience, you're like straining to hear like, what are they hearing? You can't even really tell. And then they just like take off into the woods in fear. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it must have been really bad. Oh my God. Yeah. And you're also like, as an audience member, like if something's chasing me, I'm not going to feel the need to like hit record. And if it's really scary, I'm not going to say it again the next day. Like, you know, that happened last night when we were running away from yeah. that witch. So it's like, we're meant to believe that there's so many other things that could have happened that we just can't see. Mm-hmm. So after Heather... Uh, records this apology to everyone's family. They eventually go to sleep and they hear Josh's screams again. (sighs) And so they all rush out of the tent, Heather and Josh, and are chased through the woods by a being that the audience never sees. Oh, so they're being chased, Mm -hmm. like practically. Yes. Oh, okay. So interesting enough, we were meant to see the witch. So they were being chased by a like a person in uh, in a costume, like not actually a costume, but like long johns, a white shirt, and like pantyhose over their face. <gasps> and so they were being chased by someone, but and they intended for Heather or Josh to pan to the left to catch the right like what was glimpse. meant to be yeah a glimpse of the Blair Witch, but they just never pan to the left like they forgot to, and then they never went back and reshot it. Which I think really works. It does work. It does work. It would have been fucking terrifying to see a glimpse of what you just described, but it's honestly just as terrifying. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid and when I first saw this, it was like my brother's friend brought it over. It was a rental VHS (laughs) tape. Nice. And I remember... uh, He was like, you can see the Blair Witch in this movie if you pause it at the right moment. And... I don't remember what part it was, but it's like they're trying to jump out of a tent or something. Maybe mm-hmm. it's this part where they're running. But he paused the still frame and we were like looking at it. And when you pause VHS, it has like those mm-hmm. weird lines. Yeah. It's just like impossible to see. And he was like, that's it. And it was like, no, that's like his <laughs> sock. That's like a weird. But yeah. There's like a big philosophical debate going on in yeah. the Garcia household. <laughs> For I the, love that. The fact that you don't ever see the witch, it's like people are like, oh, no, you can see it. Like, you know, people are making yeah. up this fiction, which is cool. Yeah. And we were, Lizzie and I were talking about this the other night about like how like having a lower budget in horror can sometimes lend to really creative problem solving. And especially like with things like Jaws, like you hear like the shark wasn't really functioning. So Spielberg had to find creative ways to like make people really scared. And the fact that you don't see the shark is a huge credit as to why when you do see glimpses of it, it's fucking terrifying. Mm -hmm. So I think that's exactly the case with this film, even though it was not intentional. But yeah, they're running through the woods. They're being chased by what we're to believe is the Blair Witch. And they follow Josh's screams to an abandoned house, which is covered in occult symbols and children's bloody handprints. 
Chill. Soup's chill. Super chill. So they're attempting to follow Josh's screams and, and find him in this house. And, you know, they're going to the ground floor. They're going to the second story. They can't find him. Mike quickly follows the screams down into the basement. So he enters the basement first. And as soon as he enters, he's struck and his camera falls to the floor. Heather is close behind him. And when she enters the basement, she sees Mike standing facing the corner. She calls out to him, but he doesn't respond. Shortly after, she is struck and her camera falls to the floor and the footage stops. Shit's scary. That image is what scared me the most in high school is like him standing in the corner when she gets down there. Yeah, I think that is the the scariest like visual that you get because you get rocks and sticks this whole movie that you're supposed to infer is really terrifying. But like this shot really ties it back um, to the lore and it's just super creepy. Yeah. Okay, so if I were to be cast in this film, I would first like to be Josh, because he dies first. Mm -hmm. And then I would like to be Heather, because she dies second. And then lastly, I would like to be Mike, because he dies last. And that's the worst part. (laughs) Yeah, he's, like, traumatized, like, probably a little bit more because he's been, like, possessed and is, like, facing this corner. Like, that's a lot more torment than just, like, getting bonked. Yeah. Oh, wait. My number one role is actually the witch. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Incredible. You'd be a great witch because your hair. I want to be one of those fishermen that are just like, yeah, as soon as it gets dark out here, we get the fuck out of here. Yeah, right? (laughs) How does anyone still live in that town? Oh, my God. Um, Yeah, so that's that's the film. Um, A little bit about the reception and budget because I just think it's super interesting. But with a shooting budget of only $60,000, which later grew in post-production to $500,000, the film grossed $248.6 million at the box office. I wonder how much of that money like went to the actual filmmakers. Like, are they rich now? Um, yes. So they were asked after like, hey, how rich are you? And they basically said like, we're not at liberty to say, but we're like very staple. The actors themselves Mm. were only paid $1,000 for this week of shooting, but it's like nobody really knows if they were compensated more after the success of the film. I certainly fucking hope so. I mean, when you sign up for like an independent film like this, especially with actors that are so kind of green, like do you have that in your contract? You can, but if they were signing away their sanity, I doubt they were, like, thinking about residuals. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's what SAG is for. And if these actors aren't SAG or this isn't a SAG production. It doesn't scream SAG. It, it really don't do it. No. Um, there is a chance it could have been, like, adhered to that later because of the success, but that seems like not the most likely case. Yeah. And my, I'm just trying to put myself in their perspective, but like it's a 30 page script. There's no lines. You don't even know what's going to happen. It's seven days. I'd be like a thousand bucks sounds pretty kosher. Not knowing of course, what's about to happen to them. Yeah. No, I mean for an independent film, like I once produced a feature for like a thousand dollars and it took me four years. (laughs) So (laughs) there you go. So the film garnered both critical and audience acclaim. It is considered one of the most effective horror movies of all time and is credited with reviving the found footage style, inspiring films such as Cloverfield, VHS, Project X, and more. An executive from Miramax passed on the opportunity to distribute this film, remarking that they didn't think it would be a hit. That executive was Jason Bloom, who later utilized the same found footage medium to create Paranormal Activity in 2007. Like a Bloomhouse Productions who makes like every horror movie ever now. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I'm never making that mistake ever again. (laughs) 
I just think uh, it's funny that he's just like, ah, oh, nah, it's it's crap. I'm going to do the exact same thing eight years later. I mean, I can't blame him for, like, if you're an exec at a studio, you don't watch all the way to the end. You know, you see, like, the first 10 minutes of it and you're like, oh, this seems like not a horror movie even at all. Yeah. And it seems kind of cheesy because the first 10, movie, 10 minutes are kind of arguably the like least interesting in a For way. For sure. Um, or at least like the least iconic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't really get interesting until you stop seeing auxiliary people. Like yeah. when it gets down to the three of them, that's when it really like takes yeah. off. Um, with the Rotten Tomato score of 85%, it has the highest score of any film nominated for the Razzie Award for Worst Picture. Really? <laughs> yes. I'm curious what like a zero star review of this movie says. There are some people who really did not appreciate the style of it. If we're getting into audience reactions, there was a lot of audience members that were made sick because of the like movements of the camera. So, I mean, there there's always going to be a line around the block for people that think horror movies are ass. That's true. It's easy to shit talk horror movies, mm -hmm. especially ones that are like intentionally and actually low quality. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the movie. That's my spiel. That's the trivia. That's the tea. That's the tea. So we've never done a not gay at all birthday episode before. So I don't know. Should we score it? Do you think that's fair? Um. No, unless we can come up with a really great argument right here and now for how gay this movie is. If we are good at anything. <laughs> if we have been training for something, it is this. I think you're right. I think the witch could be gay. A gay icon a la Baba Duke. Yeah, because she only kills heteros. True. As far as we know. True. So she's just trying to even the playing field a little bit. Also, there's not a speck, not even a hint or a whisper of romance in this film between any of the trio. So to me, if there's no kissing, it's gay. You know what I mean? It's like Elsa doesn't end up with a boyfriend. I've said this before. I'll say it again. She doesn't end up with a boyfriend at the end. She's gay. That's uh, the way it go. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down here. Okay, okay. Um, I would have to say this is our biggest reach. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But... Reach we must. Reach we must. So how about just for my sake, but what if we score it and then maybe we just judge the not gay ones, you know, against each other? Okay. So how gay do you think this movie is, Lizzie? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, it does not enforce hetero romance, as far as I know. That's true. Um, witches are historically... Women who desired, like, a sexual lifestyle outside of the norm, a.k.a. some of them could have been super gay and killed for it. So I'll give it a, a good old fucking three. Wow. Yeah. My gay score is all about the gay sex, so I'm going to have to give this a zero. <laughs> a zero? <laughs> we don't get anywhere close to gay sex in this. There's nothing gay in it. No. I mean, the Blair Witch Project, that feels kind of... Ooh, Yeah, it sounds like very like razzle dazzle. Yeah, fussy, fussy, fussy. Exactly. Martha Graham, Martha Graham. So, on a scale of one to ten, how good is it? Oh, it's pretty good. It's like an eight. No, yeah, it's like an eight, but I hopefully will never watch it again. That's valid. I think I'll give it an eight and a half because I really am 
very impressed by what they've pulled off. And I think it's, as other people have said, very effective. So yeah. big fan. I would say I'd like to see more like it, but you really can't recreate this sort of magic. So it is what it is. It's it's like it's in a little time capsule. Yep. Uh, it gets a 4.88 subtextual score. We've had movies with actual queer characters and then that have scored lower. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, The Haunting from 1999. From 1999. <laughs> wow. Both ends of the spectrum. So it just goes to show that if you put a witch in it, it's probably gay enough. Gay enough. For me, at least. <laughs> Not enough for Sam. Nope. All right, Lizzie, any final thoughts for my birthday? I just want you to know I've had literal trouble sleeping at night <laughs> since we watched this. I'm totally paranoid. I have gotten up and needed to pee and have just chosen not to. I've chosen to go back to sleep thirsty and with a full bladder. I just know this is a token of my love for you that I agreed to do this. You know, if if I could ask for anything for my birthday, it would have to be that. The discomfort of my friends. I want her to wake up at night scared. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> All right. So before we we leave you guys, um, I do want to share some audience reactions that were captured <laughs> at the premiere of the Blair Witch Project. So I'm just going to show you guys that. And also I knew nothing of what it was to be. So I was sort of thinking, mm, well, here we go for another screening at Cannes, blah, blah, blah. This is a press screening for the Blair Witch Project, which is uh, well, it's sort of a mockumentary, I believe. And uh, so in I went extremely blasé, sat mistakenly at the very front of the balcony section and, uh, <laughs> and was the first person out. It was totally without irony and totally without, almost completely without humour and without all the kind of post-Tarantino referencing crazy pop culture baggage that almost every single genre film seems to have to have right. these days. It's unbelievable. That's ne nothing has never happened to me before. That, you know, my whole body, my heart. If you see at the end of the clip, I'm just about doing this. And I'm about to say, feel my heart beat because it's like this. I mean, I was just, just shaking. It was awful. Oh my God. She's going to have trouble sleeping in her hotel room tonight. She's screwed. <laughs> She's screwed. <laughs> and you can't just like Wikipedia and be like, they're alive, right? Also, in more trivia, but the directors were able to get IMDb to list the actors as dead. What? Mm -hmm. Or presumed wow. dead and missing. Incredible. Happy birthday, me. Happy birthday, you evil witch. <laughs> Happy birthday, you evil witch. Yeah. Happy birthday, Sam. Yay. We're not going camping. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to keep this content ad-free, please consider supporting us at patreon.com slash subtextualpod. See you next week.